Hey guys, it's Tiffany and Shauna, and welcome to Homelessness LA, The Human Experience, the podcast where we shed light on personal raw stories of our homeless community. Through understanding and engaging, we as individuals can learn and change the discourse of homelessness for the better. So let's begin. God bless the nation, obligation, altercation, interest of conflict, population, Lost your patience, confirmation, symptoms of a hostage. Jesse, everybody. Hey, Jesse Walters. From the back halls of Brentwood. <laughs> Literally, you really are. <laughs> so tell us, where were you born? Streetville, Woolley, Washington. Now, Streetville, Woolley, Washington, my mother was suffering a nervous breakdown at the time. So she had an affair with a man who was the CEO of what became the world's roughest motorcycle game. So that was only until I was five, because when I was three, my father committed suicide in front of me. I was three wow. years old, no. and it was the day I got to meet him, yeah. So the day you got to meet your father, he committed suicide in front of you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He came to the door, and I remember my mom was all, you know, she, she didn't know to the extent of what had happened, but he had been caught in some kind of fire that really made him look really bad. He was like Freddy Krueger come alive. And that's a scary thought. Mm. But she hadn't seen what it looked like. And when he came to the door, and he'd been going through all this surgeries and stuff for like, you know, see, well, you figure I was already three years old, and it, he had never seen me. So he'd been going through these surgeries and everything, and finally he's getting released, and it was Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, 1963, Thanksgiving Day. And he came to the door, and when she started screaming, I looked up. And he was at the door in uniform, and he was looking down at me. And he was trying to shove this letter at her chest. And she took it finally, and she's still screaming. She went into shock already. Mm. And he goes, running by me. And it was almost like it seemed like still. As that, like a click, click, click. Slow motion. Yeah. And he ran by and ran down the hall. At the end of the hall was a window that led, that you could look out over the parking lot with. And he jumped head first. No way. Yeah. That must have been really traumatizing for a three-year-old. Nobody even thought about that. Like, my mom's up there in shock, and I'm, I'm okay, you know? And I still remember all of this. I could hear it. Yeah. Whose kid is this? Wow. The cop asked me, and they go, oh, my God, that's his son. Oh, my. And they, get him out of here. And then that was, like, I dropped like from that point for a while. So it's clear that these memories are super vivid in your mind. Do you remember how you felt yeah. afterwards? Oh yeah. Can I mean, I was that? I was numb. Really? Knowing that was my dad, because she was she was bagging on. She was going to meet your dad today. Yeah, JJ. this was your day. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot to go through as a three-year-old. Yeah. Was... <sighs> Takes a minute. And he was from Israel. So that was another thing I later in life became like real special inside. Your connection to being Jewish? My mother never, right. she's supposed to lead the way. The little things that I got was like, I was lost. Lost <laughs> sense of identity? To some extent, yeah. My heritage, not identity. Right. I mean, right. I know who I am. Right. But my right. heritage is like, fuck, you know, where did it come from? Does that mean anything to anybody even? It's, okay, this life isn't going to give me this, so I'm going to find out by creating my own identity. 
yes. where my heritage will come from. You know, I went to live with my half-sibling's parent, father, and the woman that he was married to. And God, that was another mm. mess. She was nuts. To say the very least, she was definitely... In what dead. way? Well, she... I was uh, abused from the time I was a kid. You know, I started, How old were you when this was happening? Like nine years old. Nine. And, uh, you know, I couldn't get away, so it's like, you know... Uh, I mean, it was both sexual and... I don't know if the painting was... Uh, she considered it sexual, but it wasn't to me, okay? Right. You know, I mean, she had like this rubber whip and she used to whip me like that. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, the rest of it, to be honest, in the back of my head as a kid, because I didn't know anything else, I thought, fuck, I'm, this is, that's pleasure in my mind that nobody talked to me. To me, I thought everything was normal, you know? And, yeah, that's uh, except you the fact know. that I couldn't hang out with my friends. That seemed odd to me. Why um, didn't she let you hang out with your friends? Because I would talk about what she was doing. Oh, wow. Hey, what do you do? Uh, oh, well, yeah. I'm just hanging out with my foster mom, having her put her hands on my pants. And, yeah. Right. Hey, you don't do that? <laughs> what do you mean? She, what are you yeah. about? she was trying to protect herself rather than protect you. Oh yeah, definitely. Why didn't you ever go talk to her husband? I tried to tell him, okay. and he said, called me, said it must be a liar. You know. Hmm. I actually studied about this, and it's usually the people that are around the abuser that know or have a sense that they are trying to protect themselves or protect the abuser, who's usually a loved one. So that makes sense for him to call you a liar when in fact you were telling the truth. Yep. Can you tell me a cigarette? Heavy conversation. Yeah, I want to get out in one spill. Yeah. Um, you can only, you know, work with what you got. But, um, does that seem like I'm moving around like I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the subject? No. <laughs> No, I, I, I've, I've drug it around and dealt with it so much in my own mind that it's like, it's just, you know, I actually forgive her and... What caused she, it to come to an end? When my mother came back and said she wanted to get me back. It should have been another red flag, even there, but it was a lot of two evils, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I regretted making the move for a while. Later on, realizing, you know, I believe there's a certain amount of faith in who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, mm -hmm. especially if you believe God is real. Do you More, believe in God? Oh, yes. Number one, you know, that's my biggest thing. That's I pray every day, every morning. I start my day by that, just so, so I don't screw up, so I have a better chance at that day. Martha saved me, man. Is Martha your half-sister? No, she was not even a half-sister to me. She was, <laughs> she was actually their adopted daughter. Oh, I see. And uh, so she watched out for me a lot. She, um, growing up, because she got me my first guitar, mm -hmm. got wow. me into boxing, mm -hmm. you know, from like first grade, so I could handle my shit, and I can. Do you wow. think starting the physical activity, like boxing at such a young age, helped you cope with all the feelings you were feeling? And yeah, because I had no other way through? really to do it, you know? And the only one I really did talk to was Martha, and she's like five years older than me. She was like a hippie and I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. So I hung there until I was like 11 and a half and then my mom showed up and I, like I said, she'd been a red flag. But I went with her and sure enough, I was living in a tool shed. Yeah. It was rough. Got kicked out at the age of 14. So when you moved back with your mom, you were living in a tool shed? Yeah, and I was not even allowed to come in the house. She had my clothes packed, 
and what I had in the shed, you know, it was like one box of clothes. It was a box, literally, of clothing or something. I was working part-time at a restaurant at this point. So it's like part-time continuation school, going straight to work. And then coming back, and I was already a pothead. Mm -hmm. Which I am now. And I, you know, I don't feel bad about that at all. You know? It's everything else. God, wasted time going through all the other things. I can tell you, don't fuck around with everything else. Do you think your involvement in drugs led you to being homeless? Not so much. I think it was the cancer. Nah, maybe if, I'll say it's a strong pull on it because it had the, one thing kind of tumbles over the other. And what kind of drugs? Any and everything for a while, you know, and you didn't care. You know, I was just trying to forget so many things, not realizing what it is you're even running from. I was always looking for something better and hoping to get it with everything I got. But I, I believe, you know, God's always kept his hand on me and my worst times. I eventually started getting into martial arts really heavy. And this was as you moved out of your mom's? It was actually that night. I moved into the dojo for a minute and I, I didn't like it. I felt real uncomfortable. My teacher, I met him that night. You know, he'd been coming in where I would've been working. And it was like the classic Mr. Miyagi story since 1974. Can I ask why you felt uncomfortable? Because I didn't know the guy. Oh, and okay. at this point, trusting anybody. It's like every time some guy came up, it was like he had to be gay and trying to get something from him, you know? And then as far as the women goes, there's a whole other situation there too. Right. Um, Fortunately, I thought the world was going down. And for a 14 year old, it pretty much was. Wow. And I disappeared kind of for like a month and a half. And I didn't know what to do. I just Did you say goodbye to anyone or you just? Okay. I just, in my own way though, say goodbye. Yeah. I, was, I was expecting to just, something in me died, mm. you know, it changed. Faith in humanity. I knew that the things that I was believing in, you know, family and stuff like that, I'd always wanted and it wasn't gonna happen. So you felt hopeless. Yeah. Did you still believe in God at this time? Or? I've never wavered in that. Wow. That's a strength in itself. I tried to commit suicide like three times. And each time I believe in so much that I just said, forgive me. Yeah. Couldn't do it without saying that. Mm -hmm. And I've been coma for 33 days. Wow. From one of your attempts? Yeah. How did you feel when you woke up from your coma? Distracted. Hmm. And I kept to myself a lot, and I ran into my teacher again. And uh, he said, come on, man, you can't live like this. I was walking down New River Road, and he was going to his place. I was his best man eventually at his wedding. Oh. That was pretty cool, yeah. So you reconnected with? At that point, with yeah. Somebody got, that you didn't originally trust. Yeah. He, he didn't, he kept looking for me. I didn't know he was looking for me that whole time, wondering what happened. Oh. So I went to stay at the dojo. That's all I did. Train five days a week, sometimes six or seven. Were you out of school at this point? I dropped out. When I was 15, he got me my first apartment. He came back and said, I got a surprise for you. Wow. 
So he was an amazing man. He really was. It seemed like you played a big part in your life, keeping you up when you felt down and keeping yeah. you safe. By giving me martial arts and everything. Yeah, you could have been safer with anybody, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I still think to this day, at that time, he was probably about the most capable man alive in the world at that time. And I got to train with him, you know. Also, above the physical strength that martial arts enhances, I think that it also mentally strengthens Oh, yeah, people. definitely does. Mind, Maybe body, and soul more. all together, you know. Definitely. You're always focused in training. We, you're constantly in a state of being focused about whatever it is you're dealing with. You're always in the present, too. Exactly. So it helps you be aware. And you're getting points of training and things that happen to you that you don't even know yet. And it develops and grows. It seems strange, but you can go, damn, I can hear your thoughts almost. Right. It gets to the point where you almost have to keep yourself away from people because you don't want to feel all those things that they think mm. and feel and see. And then the people go, oh, you're just crazy. You're hearing things. It's not. You, know, you become you that receptive. Yeah, it's, it's amazing the gifts that come with it. You know, and he, he gave me all that. By the time I was 16, I had a fourth degree black belt. Wow. Because I trained Sick. every day. Good for you. Know? That's awesome. I was like, nobody could beat me. I was freaking out. I had long hair, <laughs> playing in a rock band, and doing martial arts. And Well, the rock band was kind of off and on at the time, but I knew I wanted to go there with it. Right. Make that happen. And I finally did. And I got signed by a record company when I was about 15 and a half, actually. Oh, and cool. that, that was pretty neat. And that was my first experience going into music for myself. So yeah. how old were you when you got to LA? Oh, God, I, uh, when I was in the military, I went AWOL. And I was really tired of it. They would, they promised me to go. I would go into photography when I signed up. Because I wanted a career that was going to take me someplace where I wouldn't have to live in a 300 person town. I wanted to live in the city. I wanted to have things. I went with that all my life, pretty much. You wanted new experiences. That, just, I wanted to travel. I wanted to see things. Um, but they tried to put me on board a destroyer as what they call a decade. This is a guy that paints a ship basically year round and sweeps the deck. And I was like, no, I'm not having this. <laughs> I can't do that. You know, what happened to my duty command, I was promised. The duty command is you know, where you're stationed, Got where you're, you're supposed to go to. And uh, they said, well, the needs of the military come first, and we need you to do this. Where, and now they won't even recognize to give me a, a cause for tinnitus, that ringing in your ears that never goes away. Yeah. Got that, you know. Wow. I thought it was rock and roll, but, you know, I realized, you know, I might have been those guns. Might have been. Mm -hmm. So how many years did you spend in the military? Not long, 13 months to the day. Oh, okay. And then you ended up in L.A.? Yeah. So I, tell uh, us what you did right after you got discharged. Well, actually, while I was in, what happened was I went AWOL, absence uh -oh. without authorized right. leave. Okay. Like I said, I was fed up with everything, and they weren't giving me what they promised. So I said, you know, fine, fuck it, I'm out of here. And came to Venice Beach. I don't know what we were looking for, but a buddy of mine went with me because he was going through the same shit. It was like, we were gone for 30 days. And in that time, or not 30 days, about a month and a half then. And then uh, we, it was because we were declared deserters. And that's bad. If it had been more time, we could have been shot. Just yeah. to clarify, where'd you turn yourself back into? Long Beach. But we left from New York to the Naval Shipyard. Oh, I saw that. Wow. Came so what country. happened when you turned yourself back in? 
Well, wait, leading up to that, that's when, that was when I met my ex-wife oh, in front of Santa Monica Pier one night, and I'd gone out there with my foster sister, Martha, and her daughter, Abigail. And she wanted to go see a jazz show, but I wasn't into the jazz at that time. I learned to appreciate it later for different reasons. But uh, So she went out to see this jazz show, and I met Janet during the process while she was out. And we we're going to go swimming first by the pool because the ocean was too cold. And when we got changed and went down to the pool, I went, she was Feel the water, see how cold it is. Me, like an idiot, I'm like, okay. <laughs> she went, push. She put you yeah. in. <laughs> it was funny. I looked like I went, psh, psh. <laughs> Seems <laughs> like, like a happy memory you have. Yeah, that was one of the good ones. Yeah. That's sweet. So we went up there and uh, went to the room. I was cold, needless to say. So popped the top, had a brew. And uh, she, uh, I went in to grab a shower. <laughs> But all the towels were, this is, okay, I'm going to tell you guys it's part of it anyway. But all the towels were on the outside of where the shower area was. And I didn't know that when I went in. <laughs> so I'm in there, it's all steamy. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> I come out the shower and I'm like, uh, Janet, are you still here? She goes, yeah, why, what's that? She comes walking over, I go, uh, can you hand me a towel? She goes, okay. She grabs the towel and hands it to me. And in that moment, I just clicked, I grabbed her hand, I pulled her in. <laughs> あ、サンズライクスイートモーメントユーガイズハッドスピーコーユーインディフライクフォーアワーズ。あの19なんですね。はい。いや、18、18、still。あの、プリプリ。あの、サンズライクフォーギャット。そう、how because it, it wasn't until towards the end we got married. Uh, we'd been together all that time. My son was already born. Mm. And I didn't, I wanted to get married to try and, I thought, and save us. You know, but I didn't want to do it because it didn't seem right while she was pregnant. I, I, I know it sounds stupid, but let her have a baby and then afterwards we get married in church. And we did. How old I, were you when you got married? 19. And it still didn't work. I was still lost and she was still trying to have a dual life. Mm. So we split up. She got together with my best friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that lasted about a month for them. She, oh. caught, she got him in bed with somebody else. Oh, was that hard for you to see that? Fuck, I wanted to kill the guy. Yeah, I mean, right. and then have the nerve to come over to where I was at and go, would you mind watching the kids while Steve no. and I go out tonight? Are Shut you serious? Up. Are you, yeah. Are you serious? That's pretty ballsy, yeah. That's a hard thing to overcome. Yeah, it destroys your trust and relationships forever to come. That's the bad thing on me. Definitely. I'm, I'm damaged goods. And, you Do you know, feel yourself getting closer to finding a better sense of trust in people? With a hell of a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I tell them after the gaze, I'm just going to be honest. You're not going to be happy. But this is who I am, this is what I do. If you ever want to move on, just let me know. Seems like you set a very honest and upfront tone. I think that kept me in relationships for three, four years at a time. For, Being transparent. Because yeah, they would always take, they stuff around, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's life and it's people and it's what we go through. My ex-wife tried to get back with me. Uh, wow, well, wait, there's so much I want to ask. <laughs> okay, go, go. Going back to when you met your ex-wife, how long were you married to her before? I met her in 77. Okay. When I was AWOL. We actually got together after I got out of the military, which was in 78, because I had to go back. Mm-hmm. And 
she got pregnant with my daughter. So I went back, and that's when I got Lieutenant Zellner. He got me out from Jack. From, oh, from Jack, okay. Judicial, administrative, regular loans. Yeah. It's been so long. <laughs> got my honorable discharge, thanks to Lieutenant Zellner. Thank and you, Lieutenant. To get me all my benefits and get out honorably, that meant everything, you know? Yeah. And, uh, well, the only benefits I got, really, was I got the medical. For every enlistment period that there has been in the military, there is uh, certain benefits that were given, taken, and so forth. Right. And some people got college, school, and things like that. Like in my case, I got all my medical paid for for the rest of my life. This is something else I always saw that God had me go in the military for, because I've got cancer and fighting it for 15 years. So with that in mind, if it hadn't been for the VA, I'd be dead. Because mm -hmm. I was no way in the world getting for those treatments. What kind of cancer? I have bladder and skin cancer. Okay. You know, five times it's come back in 15 years. I just made it to the top of the food chain in the music world. Voted best in the hard rock band in the year. Wow. What was the name of your band? Visions. V-I-Z-I-O-N-Z. V-I-Z-I-O-N-Z. Okay. I couldn't believe it when they said, dude, we just made the top of the charts. So I'm like, I thought they were joking. Uh, That's yeah. a big accomplishment. Yeah. I, I didn't believe it. It was like surreal at first. Where do you meet your band members? Uh, I met the one guy in prison. <laughs> How did you end up in prison? <sighs> Remember I told you I did hard drugs for a while? Yes. We'll just say I was involved with cartel. Mm -hmm. Okay. And really wasn't even aware of it at first. The guy was an ex-New York cop. And he was stationed here by them to uh, sell and he's cocaine, their cocaine. And my only experience before that, I had done it one time because the vice president for Capitol Records, Jim, I had met him and his wife. Um, they dealt a lot of cocaine to Capitol Records and uh, they laundered a lot of money. You know, I know if this is going down my record, it's been, I can't prove it, but everybody <laughs> knows it. So yeah. that's all there is to say about it, really, you know? Right. A lot of bands got shot to shit because of shit like that, you know? And the rights and royalties and everything that they did to make that music happen, especially as a musician, knowing what we go through. Mm -hmm. Just somebody to hear our song and like it. Mm -hmm. The biggest high I've ever had in my life, fuck all the drugs, was when I looked out and I saw everybody in that fucking <laughs> audience was singing my song that I wrote. How cool is that feeling? That's the best feeling I've ever had in my life. That rush of adrenaline. To know that you touched with all those people, yeah, they're looking at you and you're just like, whoa! Yeah, yeah that's good stuff. That's a great sure. Made everything to life at that point worthwhile. So I'm grateful for things that I didn't even like in a way because it still shaped me into who I was and took me where I was. That's a beautiful outlook to have. So how long were you in jail for? Ooh, that was, that was a uh, street up. 11 and a half years, pretty much. So you spent 11 and a half years in prison. Came out, lost, didn't know what the hell to do. And my daughter, God bless her, she actually tried. Uh, she came and picked me up, not once, but twice. And both times I let her down because I didn't know what the hell to do with myself. I was, I just didn't know. And she, I don't know. She, she gave me a chance the second time and I was, I was still messing up. And mm -hmm. we just started fighting and arguing because I was drinking. I quit drinking in 2011. And what was your time in prison like? That was fun. And the bus, on the way in, I'm just getting into prison. 
first one because they ship you around the different ones. Some kid younger than me, because I, I, I was already like, what, 36 then, 34, something like that. Um, but he has a heart attack. This is my experience. First on experience, bus, I'm on the bus. We come from LA County Jail, got picked up. Now we're going into San Diego State, RJD, they call it, Mr. J. Donovan Prison, and uh, kid has a heart attack. Guard jumps up, racks his gun, he goes, if anybody moves from their seat, I'm gonna shoot you. And the kid died right there. They watched him die. And didn't do a fucking thing to help him. Now, I don't know, man, but I don't think anybody deserves that. Uh -uh. You know, I saw a lot of shit like that when I was in prison. You don't really want to know. We'll keep that for another time. Yeah, yeah. Prison sucks. Believe me, it's not any place anybody wants you. to be. That's heavy. Yeah, that's only a small part of it, too. What a freaking life you've lived. You get out of prison 11 and a half years later, and you reconnect with your band? No. I did just fight the cancer. When did you find out you had cancer? Well, I was still with the band. So before you went to prison? Yeah. And they paid no attention to it in there. I was they tried ask. to tell me, you don't have it. No, there's nothing wow. wrong with you. And I, yeah, I'm pissing blood. You know, and they're going, oh, there's mouth. Did you already mind? You're making this up. Did you ever have any checkups? On they sent me twice, yeah. And even the one I heard the lady tell him, yeah, he's got to do it up when I was there. But then when I get back, they go, no, no, there was nothing on it. And there was no way that you can fight for yourself after that? Nothing. But I kept myself still again down there and just, I don't know. So, how did you start getting help once you left prison? Was well, it the while, while I was still the in there, I turned myself around. Hmm. That was when I went and started going to school. And I was training every single day, seven days a week while I was there. I got to be recognized as the most skilled fighter on the yards every wow. place I went to. Mm -hmm. Then they started talking about making me fight for them. And they gave me an ultimatum at the end. They go, you can train somebody for us or you can start fighting for us and you're gonna stay. So in my last part, I stayed at CMC. This is San Luis Obispo. And I trained another guy named Boogie Butts fight and he fought for them and after six months everybody made so much money they let him go so it was all cool but this was after i left and they let mm -hmm. me go because i trained him so that was that's pretty cool yeah that was I your way out, out. yeah I, I came out of it ripped and in good shape and everything Sick. except for the cancer but the cancer because i'd gone totally into my martial arts way i had beaten it i thought in a way so i forgot about it and mm -hmm. then just let it be and then popped up again, bam! Okay, so I'm back in having treatments and ever since that's what it's been. Eventually I lost my place and, uh, yeah, it's like the skin cancer, they didn't even recognize for a long time. They... Were you at any point living on the streets? Yeah, I'd been out here for about three years. On the VA row? Yeah, I held it together until like, uh, three years ago. And that's just been, well, four years, I guess it is, yeah. What do you think led you to living on the streets? Uh, losing parts of myself and my goals and directions. And you start getting high a lot and hanging out, you know, and I was doing speed, I was doing, I didn't do coke anymore. I hadn't done that in years. I stopped drinking, you know, but I started doing a lot of speed. And, uh, what is speed? Meth. Okay. Crystal. You know, I never felt comfortable. At first I was like, oh, I'm full, you know. But then it gets to where it's like, you know, the people I really wanted to be around weren't doing it. Mm. But I was already doing it so much and so often, it's like I couldn't break away without realizing what was going right. on. It was already sucking me in. You're a so, product of your environment. That's what happens. 
I wouldn't take somebody down that road that I care about, that's for sure. And if anybody did, I'd probably, I would go after them. Mm. And I'm not a nice person on that end of the stick. Well, because you've seen the other side. I know where it leads and where it goes. And if I ever kiss somebody, hurt somebody I care about, but often than that, they don't even do it. We're going down that road. Most people can't see it until they're too so far gone, they can't even help themselves. And then a lot of them, they get even lost deeper at that point. Mm-hmm. And then you think you're at rock bottom and you go, fuck, how much worse can it be? I've learned a lot that's honed into who I am. And I'm happy for that because I don't, I think people go through life and they never even know who they are. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, and that's sad. And they're it's like relying sad. on the other person to do, you know, and I, I think I went that way for a while, but I know I gotta be leading the way, I've gotta make things happen. No question at all, I knew I was gonna make it. Yeah. So you were living on Veterans Row for three years. Let's Actually probably closer to two years out there, because I've been in for about a year now. But I gave up out there. And I was talking to Rob, you guys know Rob? Yeah, we met um, Rob. And for everybody listening, can you explain who Rob is? Robert Reynolds is a great guy, and he's like my best friend. He's the one that probably started the whole thing, really, organized it with mm-hmm. Veterans Row over there. That's what I like to call it. Some people call it the block and this and that, but I call it Veterans Row. I like Row. Veterans Row. Sounds belonging. Giving yes. you guys a voice. Yeah. And they need that because nobody hears it. And Rob spoke up for everybody. He knew how to articulate his words and thoughts and confront people with that. And you can't find a better soldier than Robert. Wow. I would follow that man into hell. Hmm. I would. A, I would serve under Robert. Putting a day. lot of trust in someone. Yeah. Seems like he's made a big difference in your life. And like I said, you know, it's been a long time since I had a friend, let alone the best friend. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I wouldn't do for him. I'm out there, the cancer came back, and I'm, I'm down to like about in the high 90s. And literally, to the point I'm not even eating anymore. I'm barely drinking water. And Robert's checking on me like every day. And he's got me up to the hospital a few times in between then, taking me up there when I couldn't make it myself for the treatments and everything else. Be up in there for a month or so, you know, and then. Deep breaths. It just takes so much from your life. What does? You feel robbed sometimes, you know, all the years. It's like sometimes I tell God. I pray and it's like, uh, you know, it's all right to do more. Mm. And I would say that. Sometimes I try to commit suicide. Thank you, John. But, uh, sorry, I'm really sorry about that. No, don't be sorry. I think. It's perfectly valid to be emotional. You've gone through a lot. Um, I could run through the car and get an action. You're all right, you're all right. Uh, so let me tell you about Rob. So you met him at Veterans Row. Yeah, I met him out here. Like I said, I'd given up. I was in there waiting to die. I couldn't even hardly move. Uh, and Rob kept checking on me. And then he goes, man, I'm going to get you out of here, brother. I'm going to get you out. He went to somebody who was like up on the line. He got to that person. He goes, look, man, this guy's out here. He's got cancer. This is exactly one of the cases I'm talking about that you guys should be taken care of. Mm. And they gave me a chance to grab my health back a little bit. So I was in the hospital for like another month and a half then. And since then, I've been 
hoping on going into remission. So wow. that would be really cool. In the meantime, I've learned that every day is precious. You know, don't miss it. Don't let nothing control you. Don't let nothing ever make your choices for you. Influence your decisions by your happiness. Mm. Nothing else. I love that. When you said that, though, I automatically thought I try my best to put myself in the position of an addict. And an addict thinks about what makes them happy in that moment. They go to drugs. I don't think that's really the truth that people don't realize about addictions. They're going to it because it's just taking away the pain of whatever it is putting them in. But that makes them happier. It doesn't make them happy, but it takes away the pain. It's temporary, uh, so it's more of a numbing effect. That's why they don't change for the better. If it's made them happy, at least they would go, hey. Right. Usually it comes around when it becomes turmoil some way, shape, or form. Right, sort of like a cycle. Up, yeah. So you're soon to be living in an apartment? Yeah. I went back on the street for a minute. Um, and since then, I went into a VOA program. What is that? Volunteers of America. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, it's had its good points and its bad points. I've given them this. They put up a lot of shit. And it's hard to stay sane when you do. But some of their employees use thug tactics. I think that those people should be taken off because you can't work with vets who have PTSD and things like this because they'll come around and just cut your throat or shoot right. you. Right. They right. might pull it up with it for a minute, but if it keeps up, they don't fucking do so. You know, they're yep. trained to do that and yep. their mind will quit eventually. I actually wanted to ask you about the VA and Veterans Row being in such close vicinity to such a privileged area, yeah. Brentwood. That's been a battle. Yeah, can yeah. you tell us about that? I'm not sure how much at this point I'm allowed to talk about because I okay. told Rob, you know, yep. is he dealing with all that? Mm -hmm. I can tell you, it started off much worse. People had the wrong impression of a lot of veterans. Whatever they're doing now for whatever they did to pay the price to fight for this country should be considered. These guys were youngsters when they went in the military. They didn't go in the military this way. They came out that way. Mm -hmm. And they need help. That it gives them a safe place if we can get them housing on the base, okay? And that's really what the whole Harvard program's about. Because that's the only time they seem to be able to control themselves when it's gotten that far. Now, these guys need help. They live with the thought that they've shot somebody, killed somebody, somebody's son, somebody's... But you gotta live with that for the rest of your life. It's an that... emotional trauma that's not easy to deal with when you don't have resources to help you. Do exactly. you feel like the people who live around here are Get their head up their ass? friendly, yeah, or do they have a stick up their ass? And you're never going to find 100% of anything that you right. delve into. Mm -hmm. You have to take into consideration their lives, too. And they've been, in a way, disrupted by this as well. You know, yeah. this is not part of what their world consists of. And this is their world that they are owed that. As much as these guys yeah. went to the right and fought for this country, these guys have the right. They're paying for their homes. They're struggling, too. Maybe not struggling as much as other people, but it's all relative. Ways, we all, nobody knows what each man's hell is, you know? Mm -hmm. And to each man, his hell is hell. And you try and provide the best you can. And when you're trying to bring young ones up, especially your family, and give them a good life. You see something going on that you don't feel is right or something, you're going to question it, especially yeah. if yep. it's in your own environment. Yep. You know, you want your children raised in a safe environment. But these veterans would die for these people, and yeah. that's something they need to think about. They were there one time, and they were willing to die. Some of them have bullet wounds in them, and they're not getting the attention that they deserve. 
to get their housing because people are fighting over who's going to get the land. That's what's bad. There are some bad people in Brentwood. Bad, corrupt. But then there's some really good people, too. It's always a, a battle, good against evil, it seems, yes. in everything. Yeah. And eventually, one day, it'll work itself out, hopefully, if you keep fighting for what's right. But you can't give up. You can't start yeah. something and walk away from it, you know? Yeah. You have to be willing to see it through. And that's what Rob is doing. Wow. He's willing to give everything up to see this through until he knows this can carry itself. February 1st, I'm supposed to be moving into my apartment. Yay! Woo! Hell yeah! Man. How are you making money right now? I'm not. I live on Social Security. Okay. Very little. Very uh, little. Very little. I've been trying to get my benefits. I've been denied twice, but uh, I'm just make, trying to do my best to make it right now. You know, I live on Social yeah. Security, trying to get my place, and that's where my focus is at right now. You know, beyond that, you know, the people of Brentwood, like I said, I, I'm thankful for all the time that they've allowed all of us to be a nuisance, <laughs> you know, and not yeah. trying to be. But we're just trying to make it too. Yeah. And not everybody's road is paved with golden tiles. There's so much for everybody that if we all work together, it could all be a great place. Yeah. But people want everything for themselves usually. Greedy. Yeah. Oh. There's so much fucking greed in this world. And. I've seen the dark side, and the only bright side in this life, I can tell you ladies, is when you got love in your heart. And don't let nothing fuck that up. I like that. It seems like it's what got you through. I've learned to trust it more because of the efforts made on the other person's part. Understanding that people can only give so much at a time, too. You can try to dig something out of somebody, you're not gonna get it. Right. You know, no matter how much you think you need it to understand. Each person goes, I want to understand you, not you understand me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you're doing that, they should be doing it too. It should be like automatic. And you talk about these things little by little. Don't get disappointed if you don't make headway. Just look at the things you did make headway on that day. Even if right. you just talked, things can grow from that and you'll find something that you don't expect. That's very insightful. Thanks for the advice. I'm sure a lot of people listening need it. <laughs> Don't, including ourselves. <laughs> don't ever sell yourself short. Never sell for less than what you know you deserve. Okay? But it's what you're getting everything the person can give you, too. Right. Your story reminds people how to appreciate what they have 100%. I, I like feel that. like it's done that to us, and it gives people a greater purpose. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. All right, anytime. All right.